Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Genesis chapter 15. By the time you start reading from verse number 13 of that chapter, you will hear, you will see something there that talks about the prophetic utterance that was given, you know, the prophetic revelation that was given unto Abraham. And that prophetic revelation was that Abraham's sons and daughters, his descendants, were going to be, go to a particular land and they are going to be captive for 400 years. The Bible said, and it said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. Afterward they shall come out with great substance. In other words, this verse of the scripture was telling Abraham, don't let it be surprising. The blessing that I'm about to give you requires that your children will go into captivity. And they will not just stay in captivity for just one year or two years. They are going to be there for 400 years. That's a number of generations will pass. While your kids will remain, your descendants will remain in captivity. And God gave him the timeline. He told him how long it was going to be. God told Abraham how long his children were going to remain in that condition. The Bible says that the captivity will last for 400 years. And you will notice that God did not tell Abraham how he was going to get the skillet out. He just told him that when the time is right, they are going to come out. And when they come out, they are going to come out with a lot of substance, which doesn't make sense. Here are people who are going to be in captivity. But by the time they will be leaving that captivity, they will be what? They will be full of substance. Okay? The Lord was saying that he was going to deliver them from the hands of the Egyptian captors. Now, if you fast forward to the book of Exodus. In Exodus, at the, as the time of the deliverance began started drawing near, in Exodus chapter 1, you begin to see a series of events started taking place. Okay? You begin to see that there was a change in the leadership of Egypt. You begin to see that there was a new hostile leadership towards the children of Israel. You see that there was this enactment of a law that was contrary to the survival of the male children. As time were going on, the people that have been obeying the laws of their Pharaoh, all of a sudden, some of them now decided to stop obeying, like the midwives. They were supposed to be killing the firstborn children, killing the sons. They stopped killing the sons. Then all of a sudden, a particular woman and her husband, Amram and Yochabel, which were supposed to be the father and mother of Moses, they just looked at one day and said, no, we are not going to throw away this child. We are going to keep this child. For some reason, an idea came into their head that they were going to keep this child, put him in a basket, and put him on the banks of the Nile. And all of a sudden, out of sheer coincidence, the daughter of Pharaoh came out and did what? And said he was going to take a bath. We had that baby was being kept. And you see that, you know the story. You know the story of the Exodus. And the Bible makes us understand that that same child that was supposed to have been killed by the decree of the king ended up being rescued by a princess in that same kingdom. That same child that was supposed to be the one that was supposed to be destroyed now was now being the person that grew up inside the palace of the man that decreed his death. 
the same child that was supposed to have been the destroyed now became the chosen deliverer of the people that this same man decided to hold in captivity. Yes, the captivity of the children of Israel was foretold. But when the time came, a lot of interesting things started happening. Now, the, what is the point of this short historical story that I just told you? That everybody's familiar. What is the point? Why am I telling you this? Why am I giving you all the uh, trying to run through the chronology of the uh, of the of the building of the nation of Israel? The, the reason I'm telling you this is that when God is about to fulfill His promises in your life, He sets in motion the events that appear to uh, appear unrelated to the fulfillment of that particular prophetic promise. When God is about to do something in your life, you'll find that he'll set something else. He'll be doing something else here. If you look at that thing, you don't see any relationship between what he's doing over here and what he has promised you. But there is a connection. I'm telling you this story because when the Lord is about to do something, when he's about to fulfill his promises concerning you, concerning your family, concerning the work of your hand, he initiates events that appear to be unrelated to what is happening to you. I'm telling you this because when God is about to do something in your life, what He does is that He fulfills, he, he, he begins to put the people, He begins to put events, He begins to put circumstances, laws that you do, that you think are contrary to you, He begins to put them in place so that they begin to work in your favor. Number two, why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this about when God is about to fulfill His promises concerning you, He begins to engage unsuspecting actors. People who don't even think that they are doing the will of God, they will be doing it, but they don't know. People who will be working for the Almighty God, people who are working in concert to bring their prophet to bring their prophecies of fulfillment, they will be doing it, but they have no idea. He brings individuals who have no clue they are involved in the fulfillment of prophecies, he brings them into the picture. And that was what happened. The midwives didn't know that they were working for the Almighty God. The Pharaoh's daughter did not know that she was working for the Almighty God. Even Pharaoh himself did not even know he was working for the Almighty God. But yet, the Lord Almighty puts all these people in place. They begin to fulfill the prophecies of God, even when they have no idea they are doing so. Why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because, number three, when the Lord is about to fulfill his promises concerning your life, concerning a prophecy that he has released concerning you, he employs the service of unwilling participants. People who have made a vow. That they are going to walk against the purposes of the Almighty God. People who have made a determination that they are not going to serve the Almighty God. People who have made up their mind that says that they are going to oppose everything that belongs to the Almighty God. For some reason, God has a very sense of good sense of humor. He drafts those people in and they do His will without even knowing that they are doing His will. The Bible says that when there was a change in leadership in Israel, in Egypt at that time, that particular Pharaoh made up his mind. He said, who is the Lord? When he started having a conversation, he made up his mind he was not going to serve the Lord. That he was going to do everything possible to reduce the number of the children of Israel. But the Bible makes us to understand that it was that same Pharaoh, that same Pharaoh that raised up Moses, that same Pharaoh that educated him with the best education you can imagine, that same Pharaoh was the one that trained the rebel leader, that same Pharaoh was the one that fed him, he was the one that equipped him, he was the one that gave him all the instruction that he needed. And this was the same guy who was opposed to the release of the children of Israel. So when God is about to do something, when God is about to fulfill his prophetic agenda, he employs unwilling participants. And that is why at the place of work, when you see that supervisor misbehaving, if it's the will of God that you are going to be the person that God wants you to be in that place of work, you will be surprised that that same individual will be the one who will write for your promotion. You will be surprised. 
When God is about to do something, when he's about to fulfill his prophetic agenda in your life, he will, he will, he will employ unwilling participants to fulfill it. Number four. And finally, why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because when God is about to fulfill his prophecies, fulfill his promises in your life, he chooses unlikely heroes. The people you don't expect. The people who never even thought that they were going to be an instrument in the hands of God. The people that never even imagined themselves being a vessel in the hands of the Almighty God. Those are the people he will pick. He picked the least likely candidate in the fulfillment of his prophecies. Moses never imagined that he was going to be the deliverer of Israel. Many of us sitting here today, we don't know, if you look at our past life, many of us never knew that we were going to be one of the people who will be speaking, the, uh, speaking concerning the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul the apostle certainly did not know that he was going to be defending what he was about to tear down. So when God is about to fulfill his prophetic agenda in your life, in my life, in our community, he will end up choosing, choosing unlikely heroes. And you see the Christmas story. That we're about to celebrate, the Christmas that we're about to celebrate is no different. It's exactly the same thing. If you look through all the Bibles, you will see you, all through the Bible, you will notice that the path to the fulfillment of God's prophetic agenda is always the same. The path to the fulfillment of God's agenda, the path to the fulfillment of God's promises in a life, in a family, in a community, it's always the same. God makes a promise. The promise then goes on. Nothing appears to be happening. Things now seems to get worse. It appears as if God doesn't even remember that he has made a promise. And then all of a sudden, there will be movements. And that movement begins to happen. And before you know what's happening, you wake up one morning and the promises are fulfilled. And then you wonder, what happened? Where was God 10 years ago when he made that promise? Where was God 20 years ago when he told me about this particular vision? Where was God when he was doing all this thing? Why did you take God so long? But one thing you must understand is that when you think that God is quiet, when you think that heaven is silent, when you think that God has forgotten about what he has done, one thing you must remember is that God is busy behind the scene putting things together. Yes, yes. Thank you. When things appear slow, when it appears quiet, when it appears that God has forgotten his promises, he will be assured that he is walking behind the scene. That's why the Bible tells us that God is not a man that he should lie. Nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it? And shall he not do it? Or has he spoken it? Or shall he not make it good? In other words, whatever promise he gave you, Whatever revelation he has given you concerning your life, concerning your family, concerning the work of your hand, concerning your children, whatever the Lord has spoken to you in the revelation of his word, one thing that you can be sure of, according to this Numbers 23, is that God is not a man that he should lie. Yes, Jesus. He's not the son of man that he will repent. He does not say something and forget. He what? He does not suffer amnesia. Thank you, Jesus. When the heavens are quiet... The Lord God Almighty is busy walking behind the scene. In other words, it might appear as if all hope is lost, but God is silently walking behind the scene. And that's why the Bible tells in the book of Second Peter, it said the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. <laughs> you might think he's taking long, but God is never late. It's never too early. He will get there at the right time. God is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness. But it's long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The promise of Christmas is one of those promises that have hap- that appeared to the Jews at that time to have been forgotten. 
This was one of the oldest first promise made in the scriptures. If you look at the Bible in the book of Genesis chapter 3, reading from verse number 15, the Lord spoke the promise of the, the promise of Christmas. He said, I will put enmity between the two, between the woman and thy seed. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his seal. This was the first prophecy declared about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Way back in Genesis. And if you read that particular verse of scripture, you will find out that this verse of scripture declared the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He made the promise of God. God made the promise immediately after the fall. That he has already made a solution. He has already made a, 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 a he has already made a plan to make sure that the people of God do not go without hope. And for centuries, for centuries, that promise just stood there. They were waiting for the Messiah, but it wasn't coming. Okay, centuries, people of God waited for the fulfillment of this particular promises. Moses talked about this promise in the book of Deuteronomy chapter eighteen. Moses told the people of Israel when he was about to go. He said, "The Lord thy God will raise unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me. Unto him ye shall hearken." Moses actually felt that the the Messiah was going to come immediately after he has gone, but it never happened. Not only that, Isaiah had the same had the same idea in Isaiah chapter seven, reading from verse number fourteen. The Bible says, "He said, therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign: Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel." The prophet of God, all through the ages, they all talked about this same prophet, this same promise of Christmas. They all talked about it in detail. Even the details of where he was born. The circumstances surrounding his birth. What will happen when he was born. How the enemy will throw tantrum when he's born. They gave all those promises in detail. And yet, for centuries they waited. For centuries the people of God were just waiting for this promise to be fulfilled. But when the time came for the promise to be fulfilled, a number of events just started happening. A number of things that appear unrelated started happening. The different characters started showing up as the Lord set the stage for the arrival of his only begotten son. When God was ready to do it, he started putting things together. The promise that appeared to have been forgotten suddenly took on a new life on its own. That particular promise that heaven had given unto us from the very beginning, God started reminding us that when heaven appears silent, God is still walking on the throne. And that is what I want you to take home today. That whatever is going on in your life, whatever promises that you have received, whatever things appear to be delayed, whatever appears as if it's not going to happen again, when the heaven is silent, God is still working. When the heavens appear silent, God is still working behind the scenes. When the happy heaven appears silent, that is when God is is busy putting the pieces together. In the Christmas story, you see a lot of very interesting characters that we gloss over very easily. We already know about Mary and Joseph. Everybody talks about those ones. We talk about the wise men. And we kind of forget about there are so many other things or so many other people that takes place. And those people, the Lord put it there for them to be able to fulfill a particular purpose. It showed that God was involved in the building or in the fulfillment of that particular promise of Christmas. But their presence, the presence of these characters in the Christmas story is never an accident. If you are a familiar student of the scripture, you will understand that the Bible never mentions somebody just for the spawn of mentioning it. 
the Bible does not say, and this person became, no, no, no. He said, when he calls the name of an individual, even if it's just one sentence, there is a reason why the Lord has done it. And so when the Lord put the characters that you see in the Christmas story, when the Lord put them together, they were there for a very specific reason. And the question is why? Why did the Lord introduce the various characters into this particular story? I will be here to suggest to you that number one, the Lord placed these characters in this story, number one, to initiate the fulfillment of his prophetic agenda. That's why he brought these people together. Individuals that had no direct role with the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord God Almighty introduced them to the story to tell us that he is initiating the fulfillment of that prophetic agenda. Number two, why did the Lord bring all these characters together? The Lord brought the characters together. The Lord placed these characters in the story to be able to establish his divine plan. In other words, they have a particular role in the fulfillment of that divine agenda. There is something that they are going to do in that thing. And that's why I used to joke and tell people, say there is nobody who is a self-made man. Somebody helped you somewhere. The Lord put somebody in your life. And the same thing, every prophecy that God brings to fulfillment, there is always an individual that the Lord puts in there just to do something. Sometimes he puts the individual there for you to learn from that person. Sometimes he puts the individual there for you to learn not to behave like that. That's what he did with Saul and David. He put David in the life of Saul. He brought David into the, into the kingdom of Saul to tell David, when you eventually become a king, this is not the way you behave. So the Lord God Almighty brought those characters together to establish his divine plan. Number three, God put these characters in the story to assure us of his divine control. In other words, they might be doing a lot of things, but I am still in control. And then finally, God placed those characters in the story to remind us that all the silent, all is silent right now. He is mindful of his promises. In other words, I've not forgotten what I said. I've not forgotten what I promised you. I've not forgotten the things that I said I was going to do in your life. The question then is, who are these unusual characters in the Bible story and why am I talking about them? Who are these individuals? And why is it important that we look at their life and see the role that they played in the fulfillment of this Christmas story? Who are these unusual characters in the Christmas story that God used to remind and reassure his people that he has not forgotten about them and forgotten about the promise he has given to them? Who are these individuals in this Christmas story? The first person that we want to deal with is referred to as a man called Caesar Augustus. You will look at Caesar Augustus. What does he have with the redemption plan? He had a lot to do with the redemption plan. But not in a way that Caesar Augustus himself thought he did, you know, what was thinking. The Bible tells us in the book of Micah, Micah chapter 5, if you're looking at this in the Old Testament, Micah chapter 5, if you read it from verse number 2, there is a prophecy there that was spoken by the mouth of Micah. The Bible said, Thou, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, Though thou be little among the thousands of uh, thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that is to be the ruler in Israel, whose going forth has been for, has been from old, from everlasting. In other words, the Lord is saying that the Redeemer will come out of the place called Be- uh, 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 Bethlehem. The Lord is saying from the mouth of Micah, which was hundreds of years before that thing happened, that this particular Redeemer, this Savior that you are waiting for, is not going to come from any other place. He's coming from a particular place. And this place is called Bethlehem of Judah. But there's a little problem. 
The Bible makes us understand that the man and the woman that he was going to use as his vessel, Mary and Joseph, Mary and Joseph do not live in Bethlehem and Judah, Bethlehem of Judah. They live somewhere else. They live in what is a city called Nazareth of Galilee. Okay? They were living there. And they had no intention of relocating. They had no intention of taking vacation in, a, in, a, in, a, in Bethlehem, Judah. They had no intention of traveling. Their intention was that this is where we are. This is where we are going to die. Yes. Then the question now becomes, how is the prophecy, the prophetic promise of Micah going to be fulfilled if the main characters are not living where God said they think was going to happen? If you are going to get the blessing in, the, in Bethlehem, Judah, and you are living in Nazareth, how is that going to happen? And that is where Caesar Augustus came in. Caesar Augustus did not know that he was doing the will of God, but that was how Caesar Augustus came in. The Bible makes us to understand in Luke chapter 2, reading from verse number 1, it says, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that the world should be taxed. And this tax was first made by Cyrenius, was governor of Syria. And all went out to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. All right. Because he was of the house of David. This man will never have gone to Bethlehem, Judah. He will never have gone to that particular place. Except for the decree of a guy who was sitting somewhere else. Whose intention for making the decree was not so that the Savior will be born in Bethlehem. No. His intention was that he wanted to tax them so that he can get his money. He wanted to make sure that these people were counted and he knows how much money is coming into his treasury. That was his intention. Not to fulfill the promise of God. But because the Lord Almighty has said that that particular place was where the Messiah was going to come from. What happened? The Lord Almighty caused somebody who was not even thinking about the prophecy to come. Make a decree that will move you to that particular place. That will move them to the place where God wanted it to happen. For God to fulfill his word to his people. An event that happened that appeared unrelated to the birth of the Savior took place. Augustus wanted to count the people so that he can have he can have accurate tax revenue. But what did he do? He forced Mary and Joseph to move. Unknown to Augustus, he was serving as an instrument in the fulfillment of the promise of the Almighty God. The question is, why was Caesar Augustus featured in this story? Why was Caesar featured in the Christmas story? Caesar Augustus was featured in the Christmas story to initiate the fulfillment of God's promises. Caesar Augustus was placed in the Christmas story so that he can force Joseph and Mary to go to the place of their destiny. Caesar Augustus was put in this particular story so that he can move Mary and Joseph to their place of divine location. There is a place that has been assigned to everyone. There is a place where the promise of God has been spoken concerning your life. And if you are not there, you will find out that you are walking, but the results are not showing up. And the Lord God Almighty placed Caesar Augustus in that particular position to be able to cause the people of God to go to the place of their divine appointment with the Almighty God. And you see, my brothers and sisters, there are certain things that will never happen in your life unless you are in a place where God wants you to be. There are certain things that will not happen in your family, in your place of work, in the work of your hand, unless you are sitting down, or you are located, or you are standing exactly where the Lord God Almighty wants you to be. Certain things, there are some things that will never happen, like I said, in your life, unless you are with God at the appointed place. The Lord said unto Abraham, he said, get out of your father's house. 
And then that is when I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Abraham can dream of becoming father of many nations. But as long as he remains in his father's house, it will never happen. There is a place that the Lord has appointed for every man. And unless you get to that place, you might miss the promise of God for your life. When the heavens appear silent concerning the prophetic declaration of Micah, God was walking behind the scene to prepare a man called Augustus, to prepare a man called Caesar Augustus. That is why, my brothers and sisters, you need your own Caesar Augustus. You need your own Caesar Augustus. Why? To initiate the plan of God for your life. You need your own Caesar Augustus to move you to the place of divine appointment. You need your own Caesar Augustus to move you to your place of, to your divine location. You need your Caesar Augustus to be able to force you out of your comfort zone. You need your Caesar Augustus to be able to place you in the place of prominence. That is why you are going to lift up your hands where you are sitting down right now. And you are going to open your mouth and talk to Almighty God in this prayer. You are going to say, Oh Lord, raise a man for me that will take me to my place of destiny in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Open your mouth and talk to the Almighty God. And say, Lord, lift up a man that will take me to my place of destiny in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, lift up a man. Raise up a man, oh God Almighty, that will take me to the place of my destiny even today in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lift up a man or raise up a man that will lift my family to the place of their destiny in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Raise up a man, O God Almighty, that will take lifelong anointing church to the place of his destiny. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Ghost, raise up a man that will take me, O God Almighty, to the place of my destiny. In the name of Jesus. We give you all the praise and we thank you. In Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. You say the amen like you mean it. That God is going to raise up somebody for you that will take you to where you need to be. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The second character that we want to look at this afternoon or this morning is this character called Elizabeth and Zacharias. Elizabeth and Zacharias. The Bible makes us to understand the book of Malachi chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4, if you start reading from verse number 5, the Bible tells us a very unusual prophetic word there. It said, Behold, I will send Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the, to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and I smite the earth with a curse. From this verse of the scripture, we are talking about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's talking about the forerunner, the person who will prepare the way for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what that particular verse of the scripture was referring to. And the unfortunate theme at that point in time is that there was no such forerunner. When that particular verse, when, when it was time for Jesus to be born, there was no forerunner. There was nobody to prepare the way. And the question is, why was there nobody to prepare the way? The reason is because from Malachi chapter 4 that we read, on to Matthew chapter 1. Thus there was a 400 year gap, a 400 silence, years of silence that there was no communication with heaven. There was nobody, there was no prophetic voice in the, in the camp of the people of God. There was nobody who was, who was in tune with the things of God. People were just doing what they were. There was silence in heaven. In other words, there was nobody to prepare the heart of the people to receive the Messiah. That was why the Lord Almighty was saying that before the Messiah will come, the situation must change. 400 years, there was no prophetic voice. No one calling the people to repentance. And since that was the case, the question is, how will the prophecy of Malachi be fulfilled if there was nobody there to turn the heart of the people? And that is how we see the introduction of 
Elizabeth and Zacharias. God understood that in order for there to be a foreigner, then somebody must produce that foreigner. Okay? In Luke chapter 1, reading from verse number 5, the Bible tells us, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the cause of Abia. His wife was the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they both were now stricken in age. But the angel of the Lord said unto him, fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear a son and thou shalt call his name John. And many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God and he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elias. To turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. You notice in verse number 17 of Luke chapter 1, the Bible says one of the purposes for which John the Baptist was to be born was that he was going to turn the heart of the children, of the, turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people for the Lord. That was exactly what Malachi talked about for that particular prophecy to be fulfilled. And from this verse of the scripture, John the Baptist was to come on the scene to turn the heart of the people before the Messiah will show up. In other words, Elizabeth and Zacharias were introduced into the Christmas story to produce a forerunner. To produce somebody who will announce, who will prepare the way for the Savior. And they were placed in the story to produce a seed that will prepare the way. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.